Hello and welcome to the Body Electric Podcast, a podcast devoted to interviews with jazz musicians about their practice and their art. I'm your host Nathan Hiltz and I'm a guitarist based in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, today is September 3rd, 2015 and for episode 12, my guest is a fantastic young guitarist that a lot of people are talking about named Lucian Gray. Lucian comes from a musical family, he attended the Berklee School of Music and is my favorite kind of guitar player, completely devoted to the old school. Um, if you'd like to contact me, you can get me on my website, that's www.nathanhiltz.com, or you can get me on Twitter, at Nate Hiltz, N-A-T-E-H-I-L-T-Z. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Sweet. All right. Ooh, we got a big hum. Yeah, oh yeah, man, I do the single coil thing, it's a bit of a bitch. Is that a, what kind of pickup's that? It's a Christian in a humbucker housing. Oh. Yes, yeah, so I'm a Christian, bro, I've been playing one of these for... Long time now. I just like they're primitive, but they right. articulate, you know. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, humbuckers. I've just never gotten along too well. The only problem is you get that hellish hum. Right, all the time. right. It's actually not that bad today. Usually, it's worse than that. So, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And like, I guess on quiet gigs, what do you do? You just find your angle and just point I just, yourself. That I think way? people just kind of deal with it, man. Because when you start actually putting the input through the guitar, it goes away, kind of. It masks uh, it, yeah, right? It does, like yeah. you're not gonna hear it. Totally. It's only in between tunes and stuff you get that, so. Right, right. But yeah, no, it is primitive. I just, um, I love the sound of these, uh, you know, they still have a lot of bottom end, but they, they're super articulate. Right, right. Yeah. And what's in your bridge? That looks like. Oh, this is a shitty Bartolini pickup. I just, um. Like an active? No, no, this is a passive one. I just use it for tuning. Oh, okay. I think I got it for 30 bucks or something, and I just, uh, I don't ever use the rear pickup. Nice. So, I've never actually played with it on a gig. I just use it for tuning, mm. you know. This quiet. is a, for the people that can't see us, uh, yeah. which is everybody. This is an ES one seventy five. Yeah, this is just a one seventy five blonde, f- nice flamey maple top. That's, That's right, cool. man. I think it's technically a B stock. Like I got it for a bit cheaper because there's a scratch, I think right there on the neck or something. Right. They had a finish imperfection. I think it also might have to do with the top. It's kind of got a weirdly deformed top. Huh. It kind of caves in there. But you know, I've been playing this guitar for five six years now. Yeah. Dig it. Yep. Yeah, it's got a, the figure is different actually. It's flamey, but then there's lines going the other way. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a strange thing. It's a laminate guitar, right? So it's not yeah. like Yeah, you know, they just picked a nice piece for the top, I guess. Did you try a lot of guitars when you're trying to find this one or? I played a bunch of 175s for sure. Mm-hmm. I've always been a Gibson man through mm-hmm. and through. You know, cool. I love that great Gibson sound, you know. Most of my favorite players played Gibson, so Mhm. And even when I started, you know, I started playing guitars into Zeppelin, you know, Jimmy Page played a Gibson, I played a Les Paul throughout high school. Right. Got a Telecaster for a bit, but then quickly kind of moved back, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you were you were in Toronto for, like, your whole childhood through high school That's and everything right, like man. that. Yeah. And were you a product of the Humber Music uh, Saturday program? Yeah, I used to do that when I, uh, I guess I started when I was like 10. Oh, wow. And then, uh, yeah, but I was playing bass back then. And oh. a bit of piano. I didn't play guitar until I got into high school. Later mm. on, probably 16 or 15, I started getting serious about it, so. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Bass is just too much work, man, lugging that thing around. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. And so you had a guitar at home, and you just started getting into it, or getting into guitarists, or? Yeah, I think I had some Squire Strat around, you know, I was starting to listen to a lot of Zeppelin, mm-hmm. so, you know, I I figured that was good guitar music, that's really what I wanted to play, so in high school, mm-hmm. I was in like a Led Zeppelin tribute band, and that was like, that was my bag. You know awesome. I mean? Yeah, awesome. no, and then, uh. Yeah, the jazz bug kind of hit when I got to university more. Uh huh. Yeah. Great. And where did you go to university? I was at school in Boston, in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For music. For music. Yeah. Yeah. For guitar. Cool. So you, you know, you kind of had an interest in jazz. You apply to Berkeley. You get in. Yeah. Well, or I, I guess they have a wide variety of stuff at Berkeley, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you know, when I played bass, I played straight ahead. That's just what I did. So I was always listening to that music. I was listening to jazz way before I listened to anything else, right? Like any kind of popular music. Because, you know, it's growing up, that's what my dad used to put on and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when I got into uh, high school, I don't know, I heard a bunch of rock albums for the first time. I was like, whoa. Right. I want to do this, you know. Like, screw you, dad. I'm going to listen to rock. <laughs> that's right. You yeah, know, yeah. I was into that for a bit. And then, uh, yeah, no, and then I got into the fusion thing, and that's kind of what I went into university doing. And then somewhere along the way, I decided I just kind of want to play straight ahead guitar, you know. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. And who did you study with when you were at uh, Berkeley? I studied with Mick Goodrick for four years. Cool. So I, I didn't really diversify when I was there. I just pretty much uh, studied with Mick all four years. Wow. I also studied one semester with a guy named Dave Tronzo. Mm-hmm. He's a really badass slide player. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed me a bunch of stuff. It's a lot of really good blues stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, Mick for four years was great, man. Was cool. Great. Yeah. That's interesting. Like you're a straight ahead player. Mick is not a straight ahead player. No, but Mick's a great teacher, right? Like he knows he can get into a lot of different bags, and he can kind of uh, he's really good at giving guidance no matter what you're trying to do. Uh huh. You know? So uh, yeah, even though you know he didn't necessarily play the most straight ahead, everything he was telling me was very relevant. You mm. know. Mm. He was a he was a harsh teacher for sure. Was good. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. A critical teacher. Very critical. Oh rare. yeah. That's oh rare. yeah. 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 Nope. Sometimes you come in, they can tell you to work on something, and uh, you know I didn't get together. I kind of slacked for the week, and he'd look at it and he'd say, you know, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Lesson's over. Kind of just spin around on a spinny chair, and you pack up your stuff and go. You know, like. Wow. That was pretty much, you know, it was good for me. I needed it. That's like uh, some ninja type training. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Like uh, the hard stuff. The hard yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. He's good like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And did you uh, like? So did you develop a lot of playing relationships? Like, did you do a lot of playing when you were in Boston? Or oh yeah, man, played yeah. all the time down there for mm-hmm. sure. What kind of uh, what kind of format? Uh, just a lot. Like you know, a lot of my buddies just had places you could play at. You know, kind mm. of just pick up sessions here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mostly straight ahead, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I got down there and, you know, I was playing Telecaster and I was doing some different stuff. I like playing with, like, effects and whatnot. And I hadn't really um, been exposed to the other side of jazz guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I feel like in Toronto there's, like, this alternate version of jazz guitar uh-huh. that kind of exists only here. And it's super cool, you know what I mean? But when I got outside of that sphere, it really uh, diversified what uh-huh. I wanted to do, you know, and... Uh, Started really getting into like Wes Benson, Grant Green, and I don't know. Yeah, that's just kind of what I like to do now. You know, yeah, it's been like that for quite a few years. So yeah, there is a school of Toronto or Canadian guitar Absolutely. for sure, right? Yep. And coming from Ed Bickard and Absolutely. and all those disciples who have done their own things too. But the yep. pianistic, I would say, a pianistic Absolutely. style is yep. very uh, very loved here in Canada. You know, yep. coming from Lenny Bro and Ed Bickard and those mm-hmm. guys. Um, yeah, so, uh, did you come directly back to Toronto after doing your degree? Or yeah, I did. did you stick around? Yeah. yeah, I did. And, uh, so why did you choose to leave the scene, which you were coming up in? Like, uh, you know, I think Boston's a great educational scene. It's a great place to be a student. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a great place to be a working musician. Mm. Uh, there weren't really many gigs down there and you got so many guys who are willing to pay, like play for free pretty much. You know what I mean? For, mm-hmm. uh, just to get out there and get some exposure that, uh, yeah, no, I thought maybe I'd give a go back in Toronto. I always grew up here, and, uh, mm. you know, my family's here, my friends are here, so I thought mm. I'd just come back for a bit. Mm. Um, I have been going back and forth, especially the first year I came back. I spent a lot of time down in Boston. And, mm. uh, it's smaller there, right? It's a much smaller it's city. It's tiny. What is it, town. like, size of Halifax or something like that? Or a million, maybe a little more? Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. You know, it goes out. There's suburbs that go forever, but the city of Boston, you can pretty much walk across it. You know, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it's definitely small, a lot right. smaller than Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been working on on the guitar? Like, what uh, what's your practice look like uh, these days? Oh man, it's uh, sporadic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to learn some different repertoire stuff. Definitely, always trying to work on vocabulary. Uh, when I do, how you know, when I do sit down and practice, I try to work out a lot of technique stuff. Mm. Really big on that. Um, right. You know. Uh, yeah, definitely some uh, some almost more acoustic style techniques. You know, I'm into playing uh, with an aggressive kind of right hand and working out different ways to get maximum volume output out of the guitar. Really? Yeah. Without a cack, without a breaking, without a cacking. You That's know? right. Yeah, right. without relying, you know, just on amp volume in order to get articulation. Ah. Like letting the art, you know, I'm into guys like Django and you uh-huh. know, Borelli and those guys too, and like you know, they got an incredibly big sound. Whether they're playing an acoustic and uh, arch top, a laminate guitar, it doesn't really matter, right? Uh-huh. So, I'm trying to get some of that together. Does your setup on the guitar is it is it modified to be able to uh, handle that kind of aggression on the uh, on the pick? Is it a higher action, heavier strain? Or? Yeah, I play pretty high action, but not super heavy. You know, I as long as it doesn't buzz, I'm not too worried about it. I mm-hmm. do play pretty heavy in terms of strings. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I ever since high school, really, I've always played kind of. You know, 13s, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Put a 14 on top. Those are round wound? These are rounds now, yeah. I played flats right up until a couple of months ago for literally since I bought this guitar. So, yeah. like, five years. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of going back to the round wound thing. I'm digging it. Uh-huh. It's almost a little bit more, uh, like, acoustic. When you play a carved arch top, usually they're bronze strings. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
It's got a different vibe. I dig it. You know. Mm -hmm. I was just like you when I was yeah. when I was younger. Thirteen flat wound Cadarios, yeah. which have Ooh. such a high tension. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're just like man. they yeah. hurt. You know. <laughs> yeah. I know the Tomastics have a much you know yeah, feel much better, but uh, but then like the round wounds just kind of sing. You know? Yeah, no, they got a different thing. I don't know, you know, I go back and forth still. I'm not too particular, but I do like the round rounds right now. I'm mm. digging it. I have this theory that they record a bit better. Mm -hmm. I like flats live when you're in a room that's got a lot of natural verb, but mm -hmm. uh, when you mic it in close to flats, they're real dead. And that is the sound. That's that vintage sound, sound yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I love that sound too, but uh, for what I'm going for, I find rounds are nice. Mm. I like yeah. the sustain, and I find they're more in tune to... Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. definitely see that. They also, they pick up left-hand articulation stuff a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Then again, flats, they're like, they might be more swinging, you know. Like mm. They have less, the innate deadness of a flat lends itself to a real rhythmic style of playing. Mm. And, you know, it gives a more detached kind of note, which mm -hmm. can be more swinging, definitely. Mm. Yeah, um, I was out in BC and this guy was playing a bunch of uh, Kenny Burrell stuff for me. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh man. I gotta get some flat wounds back on my guitar. Like the tone, <laughs> his tone, like in terms of flat wound tone, it's like that's what you kind of expect to hear from jazz guitar in terms Absolutely, of the flat wound man. sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we uh, play a tune? Let's do it, man. Let's play something. What do you feel like? Man, I don't know. Let's uh, maybe start something easy, you know, like it could happen to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The standard key? Yeah, I'll do an E flat. Let's know? do it. So, so our listeners know Lucian's gonna play the melody and the first solo. All right, cool. All right. Wherever you want. One, two, oh, one, two, three.
articulation a lot of oh, variety man. of articulation you're playing oh thanks man yeah that's what i try to go for you know i feel like that's the only thing the guitar really has going for it in a way you know mm -hmm. to me it comes off as very expressive and almost vocal oh. vocalistic oh vocal man. is that even a word yeah i think it is man yeah, okay. yeah, yeah i think so <laughs> right um yeah no that's definitely what i'm going for you know when you look at a piano like in many ways it's objectively kind of a i almost want to say a superior instrument you know for this kind of music mm-hmm it's like, you know, look at the thing. It's like a machine built by some genius. You know what I mean? It's got every note. You just push a button. Uh-huh. The only, You know, the guitar is more primitive in a way. And uh, I think the only thing it really has going for it, or not the only thing, but one of the biggest things, is the fact that you are actually hitting the string yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not a hammer, right? So, um, yeah, I try to think of different ways I can access certain vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. especially revolving around the right hand. Mm. You know. So the vocabulary is separate from the articulation and the way it's played for you, is what you mean? Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I try to think of vocabulary in different places, you know, different places on the neck, different sets of strings. Mm -hmm. It all has a different sound, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, you know, I try to think of how horn players do it, how they tongue it. Uh-huh. Because I feel like that's a big part of it to me. Right, you know what I mean? right. Like I listen to someone like Dex or Bird, mm -hmm. and the articulation's so killing, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, it's... uh. It's really, um, what's the word? Deliberate. Right. Super right. deliberate. So how does the practice of articulation, the, well, how do you work on articulation in the context of your technical practice? Uh, you know, I really think about, um, I'm a pick guy, right? So some guys, they get a great thing with the fingers. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff like that. I'm like pretty much purely a pick guy, you mm -hmm. know? Everything is picked is what you mean. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I, I don't use my fingers much, right? You know I what I mean? Maybe when I'm playing yeah. a chord once in a while, you know what I mean? I'll do that. But, um, you know, there is a place for hammer-ons or whatnot, but most of it's picked, definitely. And uh, the way I look at it is I kind of think of rest strokes and uh, non-rest strokes. Like, if you look at a classical guitarist, right, like, when they play with their thumb, from what I understand, my meager knowledge of classical guitar, they're either playing a rest stroke or a free stroke, right? Mm -hmm. So the rest stroke, you know, with your thumb or the pick, you're going through the string... And the only thing that's stopping you from hitting all the strings or going to the floor is the next string, right? Mm -hmm. So you're actually picking through the string. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I was aiming at the bottom E string to pick it, I'm almost actually going for the A string, mm -hmm. right? And uh, there's a couple of advantages to playing that way, I think. Uh, one is maximum volume. 
-hmm. If you're talking about acoustic Vaughn, guys like Django and all those gypsy guys, they really have that together. Mm -hmm. So do bluegrass guys. Mm -hmm. Guys who play acoustic music, that's how they get, pull a lot of volume out of the box. Mm -hmm. It also lets you do some cool little picking things because when you're doing that, it's almost like economy picking or mm -hmm. some guys call it sweeping in that you can start playing lines or linear kind of phrases or arpeggios that actually only involve one motion of the pick mm. rather than having to break it with an upstroke, right? Right, right. And, you know, you got to alternate some things, but, you know, there's certain articulations that horn players do that I think sound better using multiple rest strokes over different sets of strings rather than just alternating. Mm. Yeah. So is your process like to uh, take a line that, you, you know, you hear a, a horn articulation that you like, then you take that line and you find a way to put it through your picking on the guitar? Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it, you know what I mean? It's like, how would, you know, so-and-so play How would Lee Morgan play this? Right. You know, how would Dex play this? Right, right. I'm feeling really ambitious. How would Bird play this? But then, you know, you, you tend to give up on it. Yeah. <laughs> dealing with birds, totally, you know? Totally. But I, that's what it is, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to copy... Or, no, I wouldn't say copy, trying to simulate the feel of different horn players, mm -hmm. especially, or piano players, through that. Right, right. You know. So, is it is it really, is it that kind of, those, like, you're talking about more of the feeling of, or the tone of a player, in a way. To me, articulation is more in the realm of tone and vibe than it is in really yeah. the realm of material. Yeah, definitely, yeah, no, I think it has to do with everything. There's definitely a vibe when someone's articulating hard. Yeah. It also has to do with how they hit the time, to me. Mm -hmm. Right, so someone's beat. And uh, that's another thing I've been thinking about lately. Like every rhythmic value, you know, whether it's a quarter note or an eighth note, I like to try and get as deep as possible into that, you know? Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. A great example to me is like, you know, you can spend your whole life working on one rhythmic value. Mm. Look at some of the great bass players, right? You know, you look at Paul Chambers, Ron Carter. Mm -hmm. They got their message across of just a quarter note, right? Right. And there's right. something real zen about that you know yeah someone totally. like dex man is eighth notes like you know he can just play eighth notes all day i can listen to dexter playing eighth notes over one tune for three hours you uh -huh. know it doesn't matter like that's all he needed right so mm -hmm. i try you know i'm trying to focus on little things like that you know what i mean i think a lot of guys you know there's a lot of hipper guys out there who are playing all kinds of weird rhythmic stuff or you know five over three over four or whatever odd time mm -hmm. i'm just trying to get you know four and three together yeah. Playing some nice quarters, some nice eighths, you know. I always have a problem. I always find, like, my triplet triplets feel wanky sometimes. There's a wankiness in triplets sometimes that I'm always trying to kind of avoid. Do yeah. you ever feel that? Or? Oh, absolutely, man, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, triplets are hard to ground, right, because you got to try and make them groove, right? Mm. You know what I mean? And then you got it's a whole other set of uh, accents. Mm -hmm. It's also a whole other set of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's so many different ways to do it, you know, and, like... I often think about how I'm going to articulate them. Like, obviously, you can think of them in threes. That's like classic blues mm -hmm. like stuff, you know. Hapata, 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 hapata. Mm -hmm. Then a lot of real cool stuff is in twos, right? Mm -hmm. Like, set and that and that and that and that and deba. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, totally. that's a whole other bag, you know? Right. Someone like Berganzi, for example, he's a complete animal when it comes to triplets. The oh, guy yeah. can accent them in so many different ways. And right. I like that. So you know how would you practice this, this sort of thing on the guitar? Um... You know, I take a line, sometimes I'll actually, it sounds kind of corny, like I, I'm a horrible singer, you know what I mean? I never do it live or anything like that, but right. I kind of think about how you, I would scat a certain phrase, or, right. you know, sing it, you know what I mean? Because uh -huh. I find a lot of guys, you know, I teach some students and whatnot, and like, you kind of play how you sing, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, if I'm playing, I don't know, some simple thing, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, if I go... It's gonna kind of sound like that, right? Yeah. But I want to go. And like that little. You know, that's like a little picking yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. So small, you know what I mean? Real yeah. subtle. It's not like that's a, even a piece of vocabulary. I wouldn't yeah. even call that vocabulary. It's mm. just a certain articulation that reminds me of a horn player. Right. Because I'll go, ba-ho-ba-ta-ho-ba-ho-ba. Not like... Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, and that's... And it has a strong, clear feeling, too. It's like a muscly... Yeah, no, that's what more of a weight to Absolutely. Than a dinky guitar does. Absolutely, man. Like, that's like... And a lot of guitar players do it, too, the greats. Like, Wes was all over that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially rest strokes. When you play with your thumb, like Wes did, 
That's what you got to do, man. You want to yeah. get triplets together. You want to get arpeggios together. Well, you can't. It's harder to do upstrokes, especially when you're going down the guitar, kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Benson's all over that stuff. Benson's mm -hmm. got probably more of that stuff together than anyone I've ever heard on the instrument, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge influence for me. Right. You know, right. I, there was a period in when I was in university, I deleted everything off my iPod except for Wes and Benson and Grant, and that was it for like a year, I think. Wow. You know, and like, yeah. I, I just listened to that stuff all day, and it's like, man, you know. Then I start thinking about what the source was, like, where what is Benson actually going for, right? Because mm -hmm. I think it's coming off of horn players a lot. Right. You know. Yeah, so. I've always found him a bit of a mystery. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've listened to him a lot, and uh, I find that like note wise you're not necessarily going to make sense of Benson by the notes he chooses. Absolutely. Because there's some guitaristic... Oh, there's a very guitaristic quality to Definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think it all ties into his monstrous right hand. Right. Like, Benson picks like almost no one else, right? Like, he's got his hand, obviously, for the listeners, it's hard to picture this, but... Yeah. He's got a double-jointed thumb, and he's not playing flat on the guitar, right? Like, he's not over the strings. He's actually under the strings on the uh, treble side of the guitar, resting the whole flat of his hand. So, and he's picking almost in a circular motion. So when you think of, most people pick kind of like opening a doorknob. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like flapping his hand. Right. right. So there's a great article about, uh, it's actually written by Tuck Andrus. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful guitar player. Great guitar player. Cheesy guy, beautiful yeah, guitar Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great yeah. hair, you know. Yeah, great hair. Yeah. But uh, the guy's got an article online where he talks about all these different picking styles, and it's real scientific. I mean, he really gets into the, huh. the kind of anatomy of the hand and the different ways those bones and muscles and sinews can actually move, right? Uh-huh. And at the end, he comes to the conclusion that the way Benson picks is by far superior to anyone else's. Right. Because there's almost like no speed cap. It's so relaxed right mm -hmm. then you add in a bunch of that kind of those picking tricks those rest stroke kind of things mm -hmm. and there you got it you know you got right it. interesting yeah. and you can hear the evolution too like early benson he had a lot of that stuff together and he's playing real hard mm -hmm. but he didn't have at least like i don't know he, he probably had it but he was playing in a different idiom mm -hmm. when he got into the 70s and the 80s he's playing the smooth jazz stuff he really had that stuff together mm -hmm. so to me you know I don't necessarily listen to that music that much, but mm -hmm. in terms of guitar playing, that's about as mm -hmm. as hip as it gets. To and me. Do you, have you spent time applying this to like arpeggios and scales and intervals and that oh, kind of thing? Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. You know, um, it can be as simple as trying to play a scale, you know, with a certain picking pattern. Like you know, you could go down, up, down, down, up, down, down, up, down, down. So you're building. It. You're building in an accent every time you switch strings, right? Right. But it's also like an economy of motion. I'm probably not going to be able to do it right now. But you can actually play really fast with little effort and loud. Right? You know, like it's like really kind of effortless. Well, not for me, but you know what I mean? It should be effortless, you know what I mean? Right. To actually play loud with a lot of volume. Because you're right. kind of working with the physicality of the guitar. Uh huh. Uh huh. So yeah. So that's a play. three note per string. You yeah, yeah. I was just playing those. You, you know. It's just some like altered kind of ish thing. And you know you what I mean? That's down, up, down. Is what you I'm did. going down, up, down, down when I switch right. strings. Right. So I'm. All, it just kind of works out that way. Right. I right. think some metal guys are hip to that too. Right? right. Right. And certain arpeggios. You know, if you want to play stuff off the neck, like. Right, you know, stuff like that, I'll still, I'll try and work on it, like, in ways that allow me to have the downstroke when I'm crossing strings. Right. As long as the accents make sense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And then sometimes you got to alternate it, because, like, you know, you, you just end up putting the accents in really goofy places, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh... So, in that, in that, the accent is with the down pick or with the rest stroke on the crossing of the string? That's right. Right, yeah. okay. So, it's, um... It just kind of helps you build in accents to the line, to me. Right. So, like, and there's a time, like, you know, you might just want to blast all rest strokes, you know, and that's real loud, you know. You know, I mean, uh -huh. like, you can get a lot of muscular kind of volume out of the guitar that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you add in the upstrokes, and you're getting the lighter ones, and you're bringing out the notes you want to bring out, right? Because, mm -hmm. uh... Alternate is great, and that's really impressive, and I, I love hearing that stuff as a guitar player, but to me, it's less swinging. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. You know I mean? like Interesting. Guys like Bird and Cannibal, they're all about accents. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, do you have any interesting chords? Like, have you been working at chords at all? Um, I would say overall, I'm a bit less of a chord man uh -huh. in terms of like exploring strange kind of chords on the guitar than I am like a, a line dude, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know. I always think about rhythmic ways to comp, you know mm. what I mean? Like different strumming kind of stuff and trying to get it swinging. Mm -hmm. But really, I'm just, I'm playing the, you know, the classic guitar voicings. Mm. I'm Maybe. super stock myself too. Yeah, I know. That's it, man. There's some guys, like especially in this city, man, who are just all over chords. I mean, it is happening. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a whole other way to play too, right? Because like, as you know, even on a box, like if you're playing a solid body, you don't have the feedback thing. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of sustain. Mm -hmm. You can get away with playing lighter strings. And uh, I think that opens some stuff up almost. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure if I was good enough, I could play it on this too. But, you know, I'm not. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah, just like, I mean, you know, the, the whole Lauren Lowski approach of putting your voicings on the thicker strings and playing melodies up top or the other extensions up there. Yeah. Uh, when you do that on certain arch top setups, it's just a murky mess on the bottom. Absolutely. Know, I no, I, it'd be like that on my guitar. It's pretty bass heavy sound already. And, uh, yeah, no, I just think of different ways to strum, strum chords, different rhythmic kind of things with my right hand. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm kind of into, you know? Um, yeah. But I, you know, I'm not, yeah, I don't play any real hip chords. Right, right. <laughs> the right. Ones, yeah. So, um... Have you been doing much playing lately? Like, what kind of instrumentation uh, are you into uh, playing with? Is that... I like playing a piano, almost yeah? always. Yeah, okay. So cool. to me, that's how I hear the sound. Like, yeah, I like guitar trio, man. There's a lot of guitar trio stuff I like listening to. But mm -hmm. when I think of Wes or Benson, granted some trio stuff, but like classic. Only grand, a couple, right? Only a couple. Only a couple. Like, it's and it's nice to fun have... to listen to, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's different. This stuff is sunny. Uh... Sonny Clark is, yeah. is probably my favorite. Exactly. That's my stuff. favorite Grant stuff. My yeah. favorite, like all the West stuff, he's got keys. Yeah. Uh, Benson, I've never heard Benson play trio. Yeah. So someone will pull up a recording and prove me wrong, but I've never heard it. Right, right. Like organ trio, yeah, but I've never heard him play without a keyboard instrument. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So to me, yeah, no, that's just how I hear the music. I, have, have you heard the uh, the West with, um, the, it's like the Pole Winners album? And the pianist doubles on vibes, so then West becomes the primary comping instrument for like two tracks. That's the one of Cannibal Adam. Yeah, right? Cannibal yeah, yeah, Jackson, yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah, no, I have yeah, heard yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's like so cool to listen to because it's like the oh, only yeah. time you get to hear that ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Wes also did comp behind piano solos, right? Because him yeah. and Winton, especially, they were so in tune. Like, there's such a. They were hearing the same stuff, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. the voicings matched up rhythmically, they were totally synced. So, uh. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it can definitely work that way, mm. you know? Yeah, it can be frustrating when you, like, uh, you know, you do that and people aren't aware of that that thing, that style of comping that Wes did that worked so well with piano. Yeah. But like, you know, we always get told piano comps or guitar comps. Yeah. You know, it's like the one of the first things they teach you when you go to jazz school. You know? Yeah, no, well, you know, and it creates a kind of cool contrapuntal thing as long as you and the piano player are on board, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I know some piano players that like it when you comp. Mm -hmm. I know some guys who hate it. I've been told on gigs, like, man, shut up during my solo right, and I'll right. lay out. Yeah. Which is cool, too. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. So who do you like to play with? Like, do you have a band that you sort of have a working unit here in Toronto? Um, yeah. You know, I haven't played too much as of late, but, you know, when I do play around, a lot of times I play with Norbert Botos uh -huh. on drums. Norbert sounds killing. Uh, I like playing with John Arraj. Uh -huh. I like playing with Neil, too, man. Neil's bad as hell, man, you know. Uh, Manitosop on piano. Uh huh. Uh, my buddy Adams in town. Adam Aruda. I'll play with him. Adams, totally, mm -hmm. totally badass. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's kind of what I do. But I'm I'm down to play with whoever you know. And I do play a lot of you know, no sans piano gigs too. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to, right? Side that's man, right, man. You know. You know. <laughs> that's the thing about the guitar, man. It's an auxiliary instrument. It's kind of like vibes. It's like an auxiliary comper. Mm hmm. And you know, there's a lot of bands out there and a lot of cats who wouldn't want guitars as their primary comping instrument. Absolutely. There's a lot of music who doesn't actually work, in my opinion, that well. So mm -hmm. we do play a niche instrument, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and uh, Yeah, it, I think I sometimes feel like a second-class citizen, to be honest. Well, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, guitar, in general, guitar music's a bit of a niche in Absolutely. jazz, like you said. Like, yeah. That is not necessarily uh, mainstream, you know? Yeah, well, I think also it's a popular sound, but it is a sound, right? And you're talking about a very limited roster of players. Uh-huh. 
like you know in terms of classic jazz guitarists that I listen to all there's like Benson there's Grant mm-hmm. you know there's Wes obviously there's Django Charlie Christian that's going back to an older style mm-hmm. Pat, early Pat Mart- well all Pat Martino but I really like the early stuff you know East and all those albums the Don Patterson too absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah you know and um Joe Pass, early Joe Pass, when he was before he dropped the pick. But other than mm. that, there's not as many players as when you look at sat like tenor or alto or piano. Mm. Where there's literally like a hundred guys, you know what I mean? You can mm. list off. So yeah, no, it's definitely a more limited tradition in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's also cool because it's more of a, I guess it's more of a pure tradition. Like it's certain elements of guitar have stayed pretty constant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's cool. Mm. And piano, I think I feel like is a little bit romanticized too. People love the piano. Oh, yeah, they, they do. Love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like the piano, too. You know, I, I sit down and kind of hack away at it sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's funny, man. Like, even with my completely limited skill, there's certain things that are just easier to play on piano. Mm-hmm. Certain lines, especially quarterly, but in terms of lines and range, you mm-hmm. know, like, you forget how much range that instrument has. Mm. And, and you come from a musical family, right? Like, both your parents yeah. are musicians? Yeah, I actually started on piano, you know, I was like four or five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your mom taught you piano. That's or? right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That and your dad trumpet. My dad's a trumpet player. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so how was that growing up? Like, did you did, didn't you rebel and say, I don't want to play music. I'm gonna uh, be a no, scientist. Man, I didn't have a chance of getting a, getting an honest career, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was cursed from birth. No, no, no. I was totally into it always. Yeah. I don't know why. You know, it's just one of those things I saw it happening. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh man, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. When I play an instrument, try and gig. You know. Right. Yeah. So you knew you wanted to be a player, a uh, musician from a young age. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I was probably more sure about it back then than I am now. Right? Ah. <laughs> you know, I was a kid back then. Yeah, man. That's all I can imagine doing. Man. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we play another tune? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. <clears throat> um, what do you want to like, do now? I'll do like the songs you, maybe? Let's do it. All right. All right. Give it a little bit up. Yeah. Well, two. Thank you. 
start playing this really hot lick right at the end and then it fades out before you can figure out what it is yeah it man. drives me nuts i know yeah. yeah i know that's the worst you want to get the master takes you know yeah totally yeah, cool so like uh do you do any writing is that something you've uh, ever man it's not something in? i've really delved into yeah to be completely honest yeah cool man i'm having so much trouble playing other people's tunes man still working on it you yeah, know what i mean yeah. so i just totally when i hear something i'm sure i'll put the pen to paper you know mm-hmm Mm -hmm. yeah. So you've studied with Mick. Who who other who other people have you studied with? Well, 
when I was in high school here, I studied Jeff Young, and that was really cool, man. Like Jeff oh, cool. Showed me a lot of cool stuff, man. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he put up with a lot. I just would show up, you know, Zeppelin shirt, you know, hair hair down to my ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wanted right. to learn some Zeppelin tunes, you know, mm-hmm. and he showed me some different stuff, and uh, definitely opened my mind up. That was great. Right. Right. You know, there's a lot of people down at Berkeley that I did, you know, ensembles with or master classes with that definitely, uh, mm-hmm. you know, taught me some stuff. I did, like, an ensemble one year with Mark Whitfield, who's a killer guitar player. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. And, man, he showed me some stuff, man. You know, I was playing with, like, a little jazz three-pick at the time, and I remember, like, he's like, oh, man, you're playing with that little pick? I was like, oh, man, what are you playing with, right? And he, like, tossed me a hunk of water buffalo horn that, like, to, like it weighed, like, I don't know. No way. Yeah, no, no, it must have weighed, like, half a pound, man. The thing was, like, I uh, mean, three inches thick. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah. Big pick, big tone, you know? Right. Yeah. What kind of pick are you using now, then? I used this kind of faux tortoiseshell pick called a Golden Gate. Okay. I guess it's originally a mandolin pick. Ah. So I learned, like, I had some mandolin buddies down there, and, like, those guys are really hip to picks, man. They got, like, a whole arsenal of picks. I mean, like, jade picks, ivory picks, ebony picks, you know? And, like, they had these golden gates. And, you know, I'm not going to, like, I lose picks all the time. I'm not going to buy a jade pick. I don't care how good it sounds, you know? Mm-hmm. But the golden gates, I thought, sounded the closest to tortoiseshell out of anything I played that isn't tortoiseshell. So I went with those. Mm-hmm. The ultimate is a tortoiseshell pick, for sure. But right. They very just, hard you to can't get. find them, right? Well, yeah, it's technically illegal. You can't harvest them anymore, so. Right. Nothing stopping you from <coughs> buying some pet turtles. and <laughs> That's right, man. When they die, you know. But the thing is, they live a long time, man. Ah. They live so like a hundred years or something. You get a right? used turtle then. That's right. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, I had a buddy down there who had a bunch of tortoiseshell picks. He never would sell me one, but they sounded the best. Mm. For sure. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, I was going to ask you, um, you know, you spent a bunch of time in the States, so... And we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but how would you say the scene is different in, uh, in general in... T- you know, compared from the States to Canada, the jazz scene? Um, well, I was in Boston mostly. I visited New York, so I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have a handle on that scene because I haven't spent that much. I never lived there, right? Right. But at least in Boston, the emphasis was more on respecting the tradition. Mm-hmm. I think uh, overall, I'd say the scene was a bit more straight ahead down there mm-hmm. in terms of what how people heard the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, up here, I think it's, it's cool, man. There's a lot of people composing great music and playing kind of like improvised instrumental music that I no, doesn't necessarily to me resonate with the you know the genre of jazz mm-hmm. but I think that's a it's a different approach up here you know what I mean I think mm-hmm. there's more of an emphasis on creative writing and whatnot and that's great you mm-hmm. know what I mean just down there that's more straight ahead I'd say uh, I think the like I think the arts, <coughs> I think an unintended consequence of the arts council having the mandate of like you know original Canadian works is that you know if we want to make a record and get funding for it we're gonna to have to write original tunes and that's I think right. that actually profoundly affects the scene I think that's that's part of it absolutely you know, you know? and um, you know on the guitar it's also just influences you know up here look at it it's like Ed Bickert you know mm-hmm. what I mean guys like Lauren and they are monsters you know oh what yeah I mean? for sure that's a whole other thing than you know someone like guys who were into Benson or West down there, you know, mm-hmm. and that whole school. So I, I think it's cool, man. It's like two separate zones, you know what I mean? Like, mm. Uh, mm. when I went down there, I found that this style, more traditional, I guess, style of playing the guitar resonated more with me mm-hmm. and how I heard the music. But overall, you know, I, I dig it. I dig both, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and with you, like, do you... Do you have the idea of making a record sometime? Uh, do you have any sort of plans in terms of the future about yeah, know, how that, you're going to approach this? Yeah, that would be nice, you know, to re- record a record eventually. I kind of want to just go on the road with someone eventually. Uh-huh. Um, I might try to get back down to New York sometime, you know, um, work out something there too. I'd like to spend some time down there at least. I don't know if I'd, that's where I want to end up ultimately, but definitely I feel like it's a rite of passage at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know, you know, like, uh, just want to play some good guitar, you know, and right. keep cool. it straight ahead, man. Play some swinging, swing shit. Yeah, are you doing like the jam session thing? Is that something that do you like? Uh, man, I've been go going to? out lately. Actually, I've been trying to get out and play because, like, you know, I um, actually, like, I work a day job that's completely unrelated to music, right? Oh, really? So, um, I took like a lot of time, pretty much off, mm-hmm. like last year. You know, I wasn't playing that much and. This is the first time I ever worked an honest job where I was like, you know, it's hard to find the time, you know what I mean? And yeah, I know, yeah. No, that's a late. I've been trying to get out and play more, play jam sessions and whatnot, and just get on the scene. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so do you have any, like, do you have a kind of a dream of how you want to sound? Like, obviously, you don't want to become these influences that you have. No, no, no. I, like, you know, it's, that's hard to say, you know. I'd like to sound like Dexter on guitar, man. That'd be like, that's right. the ultimate, ex- you know. Right, right. With some other stuff, you know what I mean? Like, but, like, I have Dexter's kind of feel and uh, rhythmic approach on guitar. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick one thing, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And like playing like standards and that kind of thing and Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what I like to play. I'd like to write some music too eventually, you know. Mm. But yeah, I think overall, as you probably uh figured out, I'm more I'm more focused on the micro. I'm just trying to get the guitar together and right. work on that kind of stuff. I haven't really uh Yeah, I haven't I haven't I don't have a set plan mm-hmm. for my cool. future development. Uh, right. You just like passionate about the music and working through it. And then the way you sound is the way you're going to sound. That's right, man. Yeah. That's exactly they it. They already sound really beautiful to oh, me. Oh, wow, thanks a lot, man. That's yeah, man. Great it's pretty, it's stunning. You know, and it, you know, everyone's talking about you. Oh. you know? <laughs> I think like three of the podcasts that I did, people were like, oh, man, like Lucian showed me this thing. And, oh, man. <laughs> so cool. Or like, you know. Oh, man. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, man, there's a lot of great players in town, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Guys like Trevor are really, you know, I, I listen to that podcast, man. You guys are killing together. Mm. You know. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, tell me about your gear. Like, so you got this one one seventy five. Yeah. And do you still have that telly that you mentioned? Uh, is that something? Yeah, that's still... kicking around somewhere. That thing is like completely bastardized now. I mean, it's got two humbuckers, coil splitting. Like, I'll, I put a strap bridge at some point. You know? Right. Right. So that's a great rock guitar. If I play mm-hmm. a blues gig, I'll whip that out. Mm-hmm. In terms of when I play like this music, I pretty much only play this guitar. Mm-hmm. I have for a long time. I'm looking for something new. I want something fully carved. Ah. And a Gibson. So. Okay. Big mucho. Start saving money. Yeah, that's right. Muchos dollars. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm i pretty simplistic in terms of gig. I just plug straight in, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, sometimes I use a reverb pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, as of late, I haven't, because the rooms I've been playing, I find have enough natural reverberation. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the lexicon reverb sound, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so is this polytone? I'm playing through the polytone with the 15-inch speaker. Is that your that's main right. gigging amp? That's my main gigging amp, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the thing about these polytones is they get some weird stuff happening after a while, right? Like, the wiring, I feel, is pretty finicky on it. Mm-hmm. So this amp, I've had it for the better part of a year now. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get up to a certain volume, it gets some weird kind of ghost tones on certain notes, like Ds. Huh. Like, there's some, there's like a screw, like, probably a high D on the E string. this weird thing that I guess maybe it's a screw that vibrates only to that D or something Mm -hmm. so they get some weird stuff I'm gonna have to look for a new amp Mm -hmm. ideally like I'd like to have a live amp and a recording amp Mm-hmm. If I had it my way, I'd have some guy carrying a twin to all my hands, you know, all sure. my gigs. Sure. That's, that's the ultimate. Two you know twins. What I mean? Why stop yeah, at one? Yeah, two twins. That's right. Stereo you gotta mind. get you gotta get both ears. <laughs> you have to have a twin and a Leslie. Man. Yeah, no, that'd oh, be yeah. sweet. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, but um, no, no, no. That this amp's been good for now. I'd like to have that, you know, like a bigger Fender amp, and then also a smaller Fender amp to record on. Because mm-hmm. twins, you need to put a certain amount of juice through them to make them sound good. Mm-hmm. In the studio, usually that's way too much level. Mm-hmm. So you know, an old deluxe. Mm-hmm. Like any of those, you know, tweed amps, I love those amps. Mm-hmm. An old Vibroverb would be really sweet. Those are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, is that the one that uh, Stevie Ray played? Stevie played a few. I think he did play Vibrolux for a bit. He also played um, a Super most of his career. Oh, okay, Super. It's usually a Super, and that's a great amp, but it's a heavy amp, man. I think mm-hmm. it's 410, right, the Super? Right, right. Uh, by the end of his career, he was playing that Dumble amp that's like a 200-watt guitar, because he was just driving anything. Yeah. And that's my kind of problem. When you play thick strings and if you play hard, especially if you play chords, like even on this amp at this volume at one, like there's a certain amount of breakup that's happening, mm. right? And uh, I've encountered a lot of problems with that. The polytones tend to tend to stay clean. Mm-hmm. The big fenders tend to stay clean, but like mm-hmm. I can't giggle for Princeton. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. one of those lunchbox amps and some guys get a great sound. Like I saw Reg once with it and like, mm-hmm. man, it sounded great. I cannot play through those things, man. It is just distortion, you know. Like, yeah, I have the same problem. It breaks right up. It's. Yeah. I think my pickup might be a little hot or something. Like that. I think so that has a lot sure to do is, with it for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the. I find the the lunchbox has a bit of the character of a polytone, but not as nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, it's locking the the full circuitry. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I like I like amps that have character. Like mm. some jazz guitarists really go towards these super transparent amps. You know, the Hendrixons mm. or. 
the Tomcat, whoever makes that, like mm -hmm. all those kinds of more modern amps. And they're cool for a certain thing. They have a real acoustic vibe. Mm -hmm. Acoustic image is another one. It's not for me. I like the vintage amps. I like some circuitry that actually adds character to the sound. Mm. I'd say the amp is probably 40-50% mm -hmm. of, of the overall sound. For sure. You know, and uh, I dig that, man. Mm. And what about the 15-inch speaker in the polytone? Like, is that... You're into that? Yeah, That's I love pretty, the 15, man. It's a little boomy, I'm right? all about the 15, man. How do you handle the boom? Oh, man, I don't know. I love the boom. I actually... Trevor was actually telling me, he read some study, apparently 15s actually don't have that much more bass. It's kind of a misconception. The bigger you get, the more bass. And if you look at bass players, especially upright guys, they use these tiny little speakers, man. Right, you know, right. like, he was saying, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not like a, I don't know much about the science behind this kind of stuff with speakers, but I understand it actually brings out more mids. Mm. I've just always thought, like, I don't like 10-inch speakers. I like 12-inch speakers. And I was like, oh, man, if I like 12s better than 10s, I should really try a 15. Mm -hmm. Plug to the 15, I like I, some guy at Humber had this, and I saw it on Craigslist, and I was just like, man, this is it. Right. And I know Trevor, you know, is another big amp. He's always switching up gear and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it's like a different amp. My polytone I bought from Trevor there you years go. ago. Exactly. And then, then years later, he's like, can I buy that back? Like, no, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. He, uh, he just got like an original Fender Deluxe with a 15-inch speaker, so I think it's called the Pro. Oh, okay. And I actually, I played that amp when I was up with the 12th fret, and that was like the best sounding amp I've ever played through in my life. Oh, you know what, what a I weird mean? amp. That's I've never even heard of that. It's the best combo, man. You get that circuitry with that 15-inch speaker, and that mm -hmm. is that to me is the sound. You know? Right. Absolutely. I don't like the longer cabinet on the Deluxe. You know how it's like a, it's not a square, it's a yeah, longer it's cabinet. Yeah, I know what you mean. It'd be interesting to put a Deluxe into a different cabinet with a 15, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be yeah. really sweet, man. Or totally. a twin with two 15s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that would be That'd be interesting. That. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet, man. That's it. All right, well, let's play one more tune and yeah, uh, call it a day. This has been fun. Absolutely, yeah. man. What do you want to do? Yeah, let's play. You want to play like a blues of some kind, minor, major? Minor. Yeah. Maybe minor. Let's do minor. Let's do minor. Let's do minor. <laughs> so I got this allergy thing happening. Let's do it in C. I'll play this uh, Peter Bernstein hat. I, th I think you wrote it. Nice.
Thanks for listening to the Body Electric Podcast, episode 12, with my guest Lucian Gray. Um, if you're interested in coming out to hear some music, I have a couple weekly gigs uh, that are ongoing. Uh, Thursday nights, I'm at a bar called Motel, which is 1235 Queen Street West from 10.30 p.m., and uh, I play solo guitar. And on Sunday nights, I'm at a club called Joe Mama's, which is at 317 King Street West, and I play there from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, please say hi on Twitter, at Nate Hiltz, N-A-T-E-H-I-L-T-Z, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye.